Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. We have great leadership here that understands that uh, one mistake can uh, be our demise. Um, One mistake can bring us all down in in a real bad way. And it's not just coming to football. It can create a terrible illness. So I want to dominate when we leave the building. We want to crush this virus. We want to beat this virus into the ground. Classic John Gruden. <laughs> Peter, Peter finds that very amusing. Good morning, Peter King. Hey, and look, here's the thing. And we've been saying this for five months. If you want to crush that virus, if you want to defeat that virus, you don't have to do anything. All you have to do is nothing. All he's got to tell his players after a long day of work, go home and do nothing. The one thing that every American should be very proud of that we have perfected the art of doing absolutely nothing and yet here we are five months later and we still have to tell people just do nothing you solve this problem by doing nothing we're going to be doing something over the next two hours talking football good morning peter how are you good morning mike you know the, it's it's perfect that gruden would say that but I, I i have to tell you over the last two weeks i probably have talked to 10 players six or eight coaches, a bunch of front office people, and all of them basically say some version of that, which is when we leave the building, we got to really be careful. Uh, but it, it, you know, Mike, this is such a tenacious disease. Ask Andrew Whitworth. You know, he had a family member go to lunch in California, came back, it, not, not out at bars, not out at anything, just and infected nine members of the family. So... I mean, this is this is something that is going to take, if you're not in a bubble, and I know you are Mr. Bubble, but if you're not in a bubble, you really have got to be careful. I mean, ridiculously careful, including masks like 24-7, other than when you're out on the field or when you're sleeping. You know, I'd prefer Bubble Boy to Mr. Bubble, but Mr. Bubble brings back memories <laughs> of that box of detergent that mom would pour into the bathtub, Mr. Bubble. Back in the day before they probably realized. I don't know. Is Mr. Bubble still around? I don't want to defame the product. I haven't heard of Mr. Bubble in a long time. But that will. I mean, basically, it was detergent. You shook it out of the box like detergent. And that was your bath soap. 
back uh, when I didn't want to take baths or uh, do anything else that I was told to do. All right, um, we're going to talk about bubbles coming up because I have a twist on the bubble concept that I want to share with you. For now, though, look, the COVID-19 pandemic continues to be a reality for the NFL all day long, every day. We see players added to the COVID-19 list. There's a very high degree of transparency as to who's on it. It doesn't mean anyone is having symptoms. It doesn't mean that anyone even has the virus. You can be on the list even if you've had close contact with someone who's positive. And Peter, the flaw continues to be the absence of point of care testing. That's why everyone has to be so careful because of that 24-hour lag between sample collection and test result. And in that 24 hours, if you begin shedding virus before you know you're positive, that's how the outbreak can start. And if they could just get to the point, and by they, I don't know who they is. They is whoever is out there making this stuff. If they could get to the point where there is a sufficiently accurate point-of-care test, so many of these problems would be gone because you wouldn't get into the facility until you test negative every day, every day, every day. Yeah, Mike, that, I, I saw that hole in the testing right away. I think everybody did. That basically, if you've got to wait up to 24 hours for the result of the test, and you have then spent perhaps the previous 24 hours not necessarily in close contact. There's a bunch of teams, Mike, that I've I've talked to that are doing like odd things. You know how you have the, uh, you know, this thing that says if you're within close contact for 15 minutes of anybody who's got the virus, well, you know, every nine minutes at the Carolina Panthers, uh, you know, in their meetings, if they are together in any way, even though they're doing an awful lot virtually, Every nine minutes, a horn blows, and everybody is supposed to get away from whoever they're around at that moment. And I know that sounds insane, but it's good insurance for, you know, to stop hanging around with anybody, because that anybody, who knows, could have tested positive sometime that just isn't known yet. So to me, I think those are the kind of steps you have to take to make absolutely sure that nobody transmits it. And the Bills yesterday had to send all of their rookies home after a sufficient number of them ended up on the COVID-19 list. You know, the rookies and the quarterbacks are a little bit ahead of everyone else. We're in the first few days of camp, and the veteran players have to test negatively three times before they're cleared to get onto the field. The rookies and the quarterbacks have been there a little bit longer. They're in the building not in Buffalo. They were sent home because they want to get this thing under control. They're doing the virtual meetings, not the in-person meetings to keep guys separate. But this is what we have to worry about, no matter what steps are taken to ensure that the virus doesn't spread in the facility, it still can, especially if guys are bringing it with them. And that's why John Gruden said what he said, Peter, and we're going to play Mike Tomlin from yesterday, making it crystal clear that this year for an NFL player, your job definitely goes home with you, and what you do or don't do once you leave the facility is a key part of whether or not you're going to end up being held accountable. Here's Tomlin from Thursday. You guys know I like catchphrases, but what you're talking about is conduct that is detrimental, and that's a term that's used often in our business, and appropriately so, uh, because in this COVID environment, if you're not exercising discretion and being thoughtful about how you move, that conduct is detrimental to your cause, and to ours collectively. 
And so that's the messaging that I'm delivering to those guys. Um, you know, we got to conduct ourselves accordingly. There's been a lot of work to position ourselves to be where we are right now. Um, you know, it's, it's one fail, all fail in this environment. And so we're going to continue to package the messaging that way um, and be very transparent. It is that. It's conduct detrimental to their efforts and ours. He's absolutely right, Peter. And in many respects, the teams that are best able to minimize the number of players who are on the COVID-19 list throughout the course of the season, those teams are going to be more successful because they're going to have their best players available to them. I mean, it's strange to think that on some Sundays, as a practical matter, the game is won before the game even starts because you're able to put your 22 regulars out on the field on offense and defense, and the other team may have five, six, seven of those guys gone because their players haven't been as conscientious. Now, the hope is that everybody will be conscientious so that there won't be a team that is completely depleted at any position group or across the board, but the fewer, just like with injuries. I mean, this is just a, tw you know, we see every year when we look back at the end of the season, the teams that had the fewest guys on injured reserve, <coughs> the fewest starters unavailable to them per game, those are the teams that tend to be successful. Well, you got another twist this year. You have something that isn't an injury that can make your guys not available. So if you can keep your guys available, you're more likely to be successful. You know, Mike, I, I, I think dovetailing on that, we're headed into a very interesting weekend in the NFL, not only because you're going to see more positive COVID tests, I'm sure, uh, basically because this is the week that the players are coming back. And it's not only interesting because teams can basically start this weekend, you know, other than Kansas City and Houston, which already have, they can start doing actual football stuff after the physicals. But I also think it's interesting because Monday is the deadline for opting out. We've already seen the New York Giants lose their left tackle, understandably, Nate Solder. We've already seen the uh, New England Patriots lose their fifth and sixth starters on defense. So now it's not only free agents, but it's opt-outs. And to me, this is a long weekend that's going to tell the tale a lot about who is going to contend and who isn't in the NFL in 2020. And Peter, let me add just a small caveat to that because as of last word when I checked Wednesday night and I tried again last night, because the CBA revision has not been finalized yet, the seven-day window for opting out hasn't even opened. So if that agreement is not signed as of this moment, and I have not heard that it is, and I've seen no indication to suggest that it is, and the lawyers had it bogged down as of Wednesday night. Today, one week from, is the earliest that the opt-out deadline can come. So this is going to hover once we get into practice. And I like this. This is one of the things I wanted to talk to you about because Sims and I have been addressing this from time to time. You know, the NFL wanted a very early opt-out deadline. They want to know who's in. They want to know who's out. Well, the problem is some of these guys may need to show up they may need to look around. They may need to begin to get ensconced in order to have an idea, that gut feeling, is this right for me? Is this right for my family? And as it stands, you got four extra days now because this agreement isn't done. Four extra days for the players to come to a conclusion, an informed conclusion as to whether opting out is or isn't the right thing for them. And I, I've just got a general hesitation with this speak now or forever hold your peace idea. I think there should be more time for players to make a final decision. And I think there should be an opportunity like we see in baseball for a guy to say, I was out, but you know what? 
I feel more comfortable now. I've paid attention to what you guys are doing. I've paid attention to what's happening. I, I want back, back in. Yeah. 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 Your thoughts on that? I, I think what is I think what's really interesting, Mike, is I talked to an agent yesterday and, and I asked him about this, uh, about how many guys he has who he still thinks might opt out. This is a big agent. And he said, as of right now, I've got three who are still considering it, two of whom have told their coach that they'd let him know by the end of this weekend. But as, as this agent said, and I found this very interesting, once players get into the building and they see their friends and they see the guys who they're with, they feel more mostly, I think, and that's what this agent said, especially about two of his three guys. Uh, they feel like they really would like to be there. So he said if they had to make the decision before they went into the facility at all, you know, even just to take a test or to be on some virtual meetings, you know, they felt like maybe they were going to opt out. And his agent said, if I had to guess now, I'd say at least two of my three guys are going to go back because the juices have started flowing about playing football again and obviously making money again. At a minimum, I'd like to see the players have until two or three days after the fully padded practices begin in the middle of August because it's one thing to walk into the facility and see how everything is spaced out and see everyone with masks on and the contact tracing devices they have and everyone's in the meeting rooms far enough apart to the extent they even do the meetings in meeting rooms this year. I'd want to see how a guy feels, and if I was one of the players, I'd want to see how I feel after being out there in close quarters on a football field when you're in a full 11-on-11 session. A lot of these practices are going to be more intense than in other training camps, Peter, because they have to take the preseason, the opportunity to separate the wheat from the chaff in the preseason and jam it into training camp, and coaches have said they're going to have more competitive periods during practice. I'd want to know how I feel after being – you know, in a pileup, having a guy right across from me. Just do, do am I comfortable in that setting that, that this is going to work? And, and maybe give it a couple of days to see if there's a little mini outbreak once they start having those 11-on-11 practices. I just wish guys had more time. I understand why the league wants to know who's in and who's out. But what you may be doing by having a deadline so early, you may be getting some guys to opt out who otherwise would have stuck around if they had more time to get to that level of comfort that you're talking about. Well, the problem that I see with that is not only would the coaches really not want that, obviously, because they have enough adjustments to make on the fly. You know, to have two or three starters leave on, let's say, August 21st, that'd be pretty tough. You know, basically a week and a half before you got to cut your roster, two weeks before you cut your roster. But the other problem that I would see with that, and it's not a huge problem, I think the NFL wants, you know, they don't want, the reason I think that they're basically cutting down to 80, you know, on August 16th, and most teams have already cut to 80, we know that, uh, but not all yet. I think the reason why they would like to have more, you know, lesser numbers in camp is it's less of a chance to transmit the disease. Um, so... If they did that, Mike, I think they would probably want to say that we're going to give you like a 10-day extension on being able to have 80 guys in training camp. 
because, or, or as many guys in training camp as you want, because you basically now, if, if you were going to extend that deadline, you're really making it tough on the coaches to make sure that they have all alternatives uh, at their disposal. And Peter, as you were explaining that, it made me think of one specific team last year that had to deal with the sudden disappearance of a very key player, the Andrew Luck retirement that happened that last weekend in yeah. August. And, and, and here's the thing. Depending upon a player's contractual situation, if you don't owe significant signing bonus money to the team, depending upon what your individual deal is, and there's a significant percentage of players who don't have that anchor, that requirement that they have to pay back money. There are guys who are operating under one-year contracts. Maybe they didn't get a signing bonus at all or two-year contracts or, or a multi-year deal where the signing bonus has already been fully accounted for. You could have guys just retire. The opt-out deadline is separate and apart, and I hadn't even right. thought of that until just now. You could just have a guy late August say, all things considered, I'm retiring. I'm not opting out. I'm just retiring, which you're allowed to do. It doesn't violate your contract. It doesn't set you up for a $50,000 a day fine if you retire. The only issue is you may have to pay back signing bonus money, but that's a fallback depending upon a guy's contract, and maybe we will see some of that happen once we get into – the 11 on 11 practices or Peter, once they have to leave the mini bubble and start traveling to other cities and staying in hotels and playing games against opponents, you could have guys decide to retire during the season. Definitely could Mike. And I, that will not shock me at all. Uh, if that happens, uh, because clearly let's say there's a mini outbreak on a team. There's a mini outbreak on a team. What do you think that, you know, a guy who might have three or four kids at home, what do you think he's facing when he gets home every day? You know, I hate to be dramatic about this, but I won't be surprised if two or three guys on a team test positive and a guy goes home and, you know, the family makes the decision, listen, you go stay in a hotel for a while, <laughs> you know, and don't come around the family either that or you know, just stay, stay away from us and you go stay in the, you know, in the den uh, and we'll seal it off or something like that. It's, you know, there's so many different stories that we don't know yet that during the season, we're just going to see these things pop up every day, every day. And what you just said, Peter, I think leads nicely into the next point I want to make. Before we do that, though, some words from Dr. Alan Sills, the NFL's chief medical officer. I'm going to be interviewing him for PFTPM coming up in a few hours. But yesterday via the Houston Chronicle, he said he remains cautiously optimistic about the season because we've spent a tremendous amount of time and energy with these protocols preparing, trying to mitigate risk to the best that we can. At the same time, we have to realize this is going to be hard. This is going to be really hard because this is a tough opponent. Cautiously optimistic. I'd like, you know, a little bit stronger than that, but it's realistic. We don't know. Optimism with caution is all you can really do. And Peter, one of the things that I still continue to be fascinated about is whether a bubble, a full bubble like the NBA, NHL, MLS would have worked for the NFL. It probably wouldn't have worked as a full bubble, and it probably wouldn't work now to pivot to one and say, we'll start the season in November. We're going to find 
150 acres or more of land. You probably need more than that to have that many people and build dormitories and have enough fields and bring everybody in and seal it off. And even then you can't seal it off because food is flowing in and out. Set that aside. What about the possibility, as you suggested, that may happen on a de facto basis with a family saying, hey, football playing husband, you go stay in a hotel until further notice. What about localized bubbles where the players do stay in a hotel, in a separate facility? Matt Ryan told me earlier this week they got townhouses behind their practice facility that they have divided up for the guys where they can go in and they have their own bathroom, they have their own changing or they have their own bed. Why not just remove the players from their homes, put them in these hotels, put them in a harder bubble, and uh, look, it's not going to be easy. You're going to have more guys who will opt out, but you're still going to eventually have enough players who say, yes, I'll do that to play football this year. Um, That may be the only way to prevent these outbreaks, and I just wonder whether or not that's something that should be or is under consideration. Well... However, whatever way you're talking about a bubble happening, you're talking about every NFL player uh, for the next five months basically being apart from family. Uh, and, and, and obviously, everybody has credited the NBA, and rightfully so. But if you think about the NBA, eight of the 30 teams did not go to Orlando, so they're not in any bubble whatsoever. Six teams are in a bubble for a month, then they will be eliminated and won't be in the playoffs. So that's half the players in the league, a month or less. And then you have 12 teams, 12 more teams, where it's about two months, you know, the, 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 the playoff teams. So basically, Mike, it's the vast majority of NBA players are from one month to two months away. That's a lot different than five months. It's hard for me to imagine that a player who has uh, who has four or five kids uh, is going to be able to just disappear for five months. I, 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 the practicality of it, that is when I think you would see, a, I, may, I don't know a lot, but you'd see a significant more, significantly more uh, opt-outs if you insisted no matter how you did the bubble, that if you had to be away from your loved ones for five months. Well, and I agree with that. But but the point is, the supply of willing NFL players and capable players, not that you're, we're talking about the same highest level of achievement, but there are plenty of guys out there who can step in. In 1987, the NFL found 28 teams worth of players on the fly to come in. Now, it wasn't great football, but people watched it, and that's what they would do this year. They'll watch it. It's on TV. It's NFL football. They'll play fantasy football. They'll gamble, et cetera. They'll fill up the rosters, and off they go. But, you know, and, and, and I don't know if this is a fair comparison or not, but you've got members of the military who are gone for months at a time, and they make a hell of a lot less than what football players You're make. right about that, Mike, but that's a, that's a choice. That's a choice that people in the military make. You know that well, this is a choice too for the military, you, it is, but you never, ever were told at the beginning of this profession, oh, by the way, you've got to be away. Teams in the playoffs, oh, you've got to be away for six months. You can't have any contact with your family for six months. Mike, I, I understand what you're saying. You're right about that. What happens now if five starting quarterbacks in the NFL, what happens if Ryan Tannehill, 
calls John Robinson and Mike Vrabel and said, I'm sorry, I'm not coming. What happens if Tom Brady calls Bruce Arians and Jason? Right now? I don't think these 11. What, it, it's not happening. But what about Matthew Stafford? <laughs> you know, I mean, he's had health issues in his family, you know, with his wife, obviously. What about Kirk Cousins, you know, who's Joe family man? And look, I don't know what would happen. I truly don't. Maybe every quarterback would just come back, bite the bullet, and all that stuff. But I'll, I'll be honest with you. If D. Smith and J.C. Treader agreed to this, I would be absolutely, utterly shocked. And here's the balance, though, and this is why I'm bringing it up. Without that hard bubble per team, if we agree that a comprehensive bubble like the NBA isn't practical— the hard bubble per team where guys aren't going home, they're not potentially taking it home, and more importantly, they're not potentially, for the team purposes, not bringing it back with them from a family right. member, from a kid who is in school or wherever or whatever may happen. If if The balance is if you don't do that, what are the chances of getting 256 games in? If you do it, what are the chances of getting 256 games in? And look, we are clearly into crystal ball territory, and there's no way to resolve this. There's no way to know. But I, I don't want us to get to a point, despite the fact that some in the media, Peter, think that we are rooting for there to be no football. I don't want us to get to a point where the season implodes upon itself and we say, the NFL says, we should have just done localized hard bubbles and told these guys you're going to be away from your families for five months and we would have got these games in we would have played the season everybody would have made their money we would have been able to have a real season with a crown champion and we would have been able to show that we can beat this thing and it would have taken a real sacrifice for coaches and players but we would have gotten it done as it stands we weren't able to get it done because we weren't willing to tighten the belt and make that sacrifice I don't want that to happen I don't want that to be the regret that people have um but but understanding what you're saying that it's going to be a major hardship, and it does change the circumstances. It does change what you signed up for. But I'd still say a lot of these guys aren't going to want to walk away from the money. They're not going to want to walk away Agreed. from the money. A, a lot of guys would bite the bullet and do it. There's no question about it. I guess my question is, let's say you've got the top 500 players in the NFL, however you would grade them, however you'd rank them. Uh, you know, let's just say for the sake of argument, you, you get you get whatever, 15 players a team, let's say. The key 15 guys. How many guys wouldn't play? We've already seen with the Patriots, they probably lost two of their 15. Marcus Cannon and Dante Hightower, maybe even Patrick Chung is a third. But the Giants lost Nate Solder. The big question is, you know, how many of those 500 would walk away? Really hurting their teams. I, I would bet at least 100 would would walk away. And one of the reasons I think, Mike, is you and I sit here and say, man, what about this money? How can you give up this money? Well, you know, there's been, you know, I think the number, if I'm not mistaken, Nate Solder has made $71 million playing the sport of pro football. You know, I think he can do without whatever his number is. I think it's 13 or whatever his, his salary is this year. So I think a lot of these guys would basically weigh it and say, even if it means I'm not going to play beyond this year, period, I, I'm going to opt out. And I think there's more of those than you think. If you said for the next five months, and this is for the teams that don't make the playoffs, 
for the teams that go deep into the playoffs. If you're a Kansas City Chief, it's not five months away from everybody. It's six. So, in the 49ers, probably. So, that is where I think you'd really get into some trouble. The current NFL approach is conducive to potential outbreaks, in part because, as we discussed earlier, of the delay between sample collection and test results. We could have sufficient outbreaks that could put teams in position where they aren't able to go on Sunday. When we return, we're going to talk about this possibility that the commissioner will have the discretion to postpone or suspend or cancel games in order to address outbreaks that may happen for a given team. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this. Okay, so what happens if there is an outbreak for a given team? If a position group is decimated by COVID-19 positives, what powers will the commissioner have to step in and provide relief? To postpone, to cancel, to suspend play. Sean Payton acknowledged earlier this week he believes games will be suspended, and he specifically tied it to position groups being wiped out on a given team. Peter flagged this issue in Football Morning in America earlier this week. Peter, let's talk about this. The logistics, the standards, the fairness or lack thereof, and we're already being conditioned to accept the fact that competitive balance goes out the window this year. We're going to have to tolerate things like some teams having fans, some teams not having fans. But the idea that there will be the possibility of pulling the plug on a given game, I really do think it's critical that there be a clear standard that everyone feels good about and understands because you could have some teams thinking, wait a minute, we should have gotten a dispensation for today. We didn't. Another team did. Let's kind of talk through how that all would happen if the commissioner does have this power to, on a per-game basis, say, this team isn't ready to go today. Yeah, I think this is something that is in very preliminary uh, discussion um, one of the things that I had heard is that uh, Roger Goodell was asking those close to him around the NFL, uh, certainly members of the competition committee, some owners, uh, maybe all owners, you know, give me your ideas, you know, in case there's an outbreak on a team. What do we do? And that is where the idea of, Mike, remember back in April or May when we talked about the portability of the schedule? and the ability of the, the NFL to basically move the schedule, perhaps complete weeks, move the schedule, you know, into later in the year. And that is where I think he's going to have to have the flexibility and the wherewithal, if he chooses to, if he feels that there's a real competitive imbalance. And I use the uh, uh, example of if on Thursday a team's entire offensive line or four of the five offensive linemen uh, test positive, you know, he has to have the ability, at least I believe, to say, okay, we're not going to allow this team to take the field this week, and we're going to move that game that they're playing into a new week 18, which would be played, you know, on Sunday, uh, January 10, the week after the regular season ends, which was supposed to be the big wild card weekend. You delay the wild card weekend one week, and then you play whatever games you might need to play in that other window. Now, that leads to this question. Well, what if this outbreak is, outbreak is 15 people and it's going to be two or three weeks? Well, 
I've also heard that it's possible, possible, that a consideration could be made that this would be a year where every team doesn't play 16 games. And everyone is going to be totally up in arms with that. I get it. But I remember writing this after talking to NFL people in May. And I wrote that after talking to enough of them, people have to be ready for what I called a wholly unfair season. Because I believe this has the potential to be a wholly unfair season. What are you seeing in baseball right now? The Philadelphia Phillies are going a week without playing baseball games. They're not making up every one of those games. Instead of playing 60, they might play 57 or whatever. And so my whole point is that's not the biggest disaster in the world, okay? So if Team X plays 14 games and Team Y and Team Z play 15 or, or however it works out and everybody else plays 16, you know, get over it. That's the way life goes this year. Well, and I agree with that, that it may be a necessity. I think it's one of the reasons why we've seen the commissioner pivot in recent days from saying that the commitment is to play a full season to playing a complete season because complete means I the season is complete. Here is the Super Bowl trophy. It means here's the trophy. <laughs> 1982 was a complete season. They only played nine regular season games because of the strike. And this is what it feels. It's got that 1982 feel. It's got the 87 feel. Even though the replacements won't take over the league for three weeks, these replacement players are going to be constantly bubbling into rosters, and who knows how good any of these guys are when they're lined up next to NFL-caliber talent. And it's going to feel probably a little bit like 1943 when the Steelers and the Eagles had to combine forces due to World War II and the Cleveland Rams suspended play for a full year because they didn't have enough guys. And guys were working 40 hours a week in in uh, factories with uh, you know assignments to help the war effort while they were also playing football. So it's going to be a strange year. If the alternative is don't play at all, I say let's give it a try and see what happens. But I really do feel like that let's see what happens vibe is is a real thing. The NFL's embraced it. And, uh, you know, Peter, I you mentioned the way the schedule is set up, and I want to underscore this. I believe they are committed to going forward with week one. And because they aren't playing preseason games and because they are in this mini bubble team by team, it creates a greater likelihood that we will see week one. But then week two, week three, week four, who knows? Every game, week two involves teams that have their buys the same week. So to your point, if we're just going to postpone some of them, they very easily get nestled into the bye weeks that those teams would have otherwise had. Or you could just pull the plug on the whole week and say, we'll see you week three or week four or week five because weeks three and four, no divisional games. They could be scrapped or they could be tacked on to the end of the season. So there's a lot of flexibility built into the schedule. I firmly believe that we're going forward with week one. It's going to be, let's go with week one, and then we'll take a step back and wait and see how many positives pop up. I think the one point to keep in mind as you think about the schedule is that, you know, there have been people in the scheduling department, not just Howard Katz, who've worked on this schedule and done this for more than 10 years. And their job, essentially, is to think of every single possible ramification. So I will guarantee you, in a league right now where Roger Goodell says hope is not a strategy, 
there is a lot of work being done behind the scenes to make sure that they are surprised by nothing. Well, and uh, the thing is, this year we're going to be surprised by everything. And there will be plans that are made ahead of time, plans that you come up on, the, come up with on the fly. And uh, the commissioner, I think, is going to be far busier this year than he is in any other football season. Usually the highest profile person from the league office, Peter, once the season starts, is the head of officiating. I think this year the commissioner is going to be a lot more involved. He's going to have to be involved. There's going to be some tough decisions to make if these outbreaks happen. And you're right. We may have some teams with 15, 14, 13 games, some with 16. Who knows? Who knows what? You know, we were talking about this earlier in the week. The over-under average game per team I'd put it at nine and a half right now. I realize because I, I mean, because that that's right at the spot where I'm not quite sure how many games we're gonna have when it's all said and done. Um, and may, maybe ten and a half, maybe nine and a half would make me inclined to bet the over. I always look for that number that makes me think I'm not really sure. Maybe ten and a half. I don't know, Peter. What's your sense of of what that magic number is between uh, how many games we will and won't see? I think you're gonna see at least fourteen games per team. Uh, I, I Look, you know, the NFL has come too far and done too many things uh, to try to make this season happen. I will be extremely surprised if there are these pockets of outbreaks that force the NFL to cancel, let's say, seven weeks per team. All right, let's take a break. When we return, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have added yet another former All-Pro but will he have any impact on the offense this year? More PFT Live right after this. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Go for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this! How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. I spent the season with, you know, Deshaun Watson and, you know, I feel like, you know, being with Patrick last season, both of those guys are pretty, pretty similar into what they bring to their team. You know, obviously both of them are the franchise guys and both of them are highly competitive. They come in the building with the right spirit, the right attitude. They work the right way. And um, obviously they, they have the talent to, to lead a, a football club. And I think anytime you have two, two guys like that in that position, um, in the same conference, uh, you know, it's going to be special, especially w once you talk about getting into playoff football and championship football. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't mind playing against Deshaun Watson in, in big games. I um, feel like he's one of those players that that brings it out of you. He makes you prepare the right way. And uh, I'm sure Patrick does that as well. 
Tyron Matthew, who has played both with Deshaun Watson and with Patrick Mahomes, currently a teammate of Patrick Mahomes. We're looking for that next Tom Brady-Peyton Manning rivalry. The key ingredient, though, is both teams have to be able to dominate their division, so they're more likely to cross paths in the postseason. I don't know if the Texans can dominate the South. I have a feeling the Chiefs are going to be dominating the West for years to come. But that leads to fill in the blanks this morning, Peter, and let's start with the first one. The best current rivalry in the NFL is what? Seattle, San Francisco. And I think I would have said even two years ago, Pittsburgh, Baltimore. I still love Pittsburgh, Baltimore. And I think that's going to be very good this year. But that Monday night game last year, you know, the Chase McLaughlin, Jadavian Clowney, Russell Wilson, you know, everybody had a moment in that game. That game last year, I think, cemented Seattle, San Francisco as the best in the game today. And then it came down to the last game of the regular season, the Sunday night game in Seattle. The 49ers desperately needed to win to win the division. They'd have been the five seed. Good luck getting to the Super Bowl when you got to go on the road in the wild card round to get the, the postseason started. Yeah, I agree with you. That's the best one. Uh, beyond that, you know, Chiefs Chargers got interesting in 2018 when it looked like maybe the Chargers were going to win the division, but then they tailed off in 2019. And now who knows what direction the Chargers are going to go in. I really want to see someone rise up, though, and give the Chiefs everything they can handle. Maybe the Broncos are moving in that direction. But uh, beyond 49ers Seahawks, there really isn't one that currently jumps off the page. Saints Buccaneers could be interesting this year, though, with uh, quarterbacks who have a combined age of, as of Monday, 84 years old. All right, Teron Armstead, speaking of the Saints, declares it to be a Super Bowl or bust season in New Orleans. That declaration is what, Peter? Absolutely unequivocally true. Because next year on opening day, when you line up with Taysom, Taysom Hill at quarterback, you have no idea what your team is going to be. One of the things that when I was talking to John Schneider after we recorded my podcast this week, one of the things that we talked about essentially is that as long as you have Russell Wilson, you're never picking players the caliber of Jamal Adams. Sixth pick in the 2017 draft. And to me, the New Orleans Saints after this season, when Drew Brees heads to uh, Mike Florio's dressing room at NBC Sports, I think one of the things you're going to see is a new, uh, you know, a new era in Saints football. So you don't know what that holds. Yeah, I think at that point it will be Drew Brees' dressing room, and I'll be getting dressed uh, in the hallway. Uh, in the but, hallway, uh, regardless. Yeah, that's all. That, that's that's all reported. That's all speculated. That has been confirmed by no one. Just so we are clear on that. <laughs> I think it's other than I me. think it's <laughs> yeah. I I think it's uh, ridiculous for him to say that because of the pandemic. No one can go into this season with that attitude because your season can get derailed by this microscopic, invisible thing that puts half of your team on ice for multiple weeks and screws up everything so I, I just don't think that that any team can go into this season with that mentality in a normal year I'd agree this year put Super Bowl or bust on the shelf Peter I, I disagree because your attitude you know events can change the course of history obviously but just because you have that attitude you know, I think everybody on that team and that organization should have that attitude because of the unknown next year.
They're going for kind of the mini version of the Bills' four straight Super Bowl losses with four straight excruciating postseason exits. They're up to three. We'll see if it runs to four <laughs> this year. All right, one more real quickly. LaShawn McCoy will be what for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year? He signed with the team yesterday. You know, an insurance policy. I mean, Mike, it's been seven years since he's been an All-Pro. I mean, he's 32 years old. And again, uh, and, and Frank Gore's a lot older than he is. But m my point about older backs is that, you know, don't go guaranteeing anything. Whatever they give you is a bonus. There's a reason why LaShawn McCoy wasn't signed until July 29th, you know. And, and the reason is because out there, there's not a lot of trust that he can be a 220-carry guy and we'll see what happens. Maybe he can be. But as of now, to me, he's an insurance policy. I say non-factor, all due respect. I look at it this way. Damian Williams opted out for the Chiefs this week. And if the Chiefs did not make a beeline for LaShawn McCoy to have him right. as the alternative to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, that tells you everything you need to know about what Andy Reid, the guy who drafted LaShawn McCoy, thinks that McCoy has left in the tank right now. And the answer, truth be told, if Reed were attached to a lie detector test, would be nothing. So I think he's going to be a non-factor for the Buccaneers. All right, when we return, the ACC and the SEC still plan on playing football this year, but the Big Ten could be packing it in. We'll talk about that next here on PFT Live. The ACC announced Wednesday they're going to try to get the full season in, at least conference games with one non-conference game starting in early September. SEC, a 10-game schedule starting September 26. Pat Forty of SI.com reported last night that the Big Ten has advised members it might not play football at all this year. And look, Peter, I, we've talked about the issues that will face the NFL as it tries to get a season in. I think you take that and multiply it by 50 for college football with the age of the, the student, the very strong temptation to do things that college students do, the fact that they're not being paid to take on this risk. I just feel like college football, to the extent they try to do it, it is going to implode on itself, and that may be why the Big Ten is looking at this saying, we kind of can see where this is going. We may not even try to do it. Look, I don't know anything about college football other than I do know one thing. I know Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, quite well. I've known him for a long time, longtime NFL executive. And I know that he has and I'm not. And again, this sounds terrible. I know the conscience that Kevin Warren has and I know what he's thinking. And he is thinking that if I I could not live with myself if one of the student athletes in a Big Ten school uh, got COVID and got seriously ill or, God forbid, died because of COVID because of this. So to me, when I first heard that last night and I first read that, I said, that's that's got to be Kevin Warren's influence on the Big Ten. And Peter, it's more than that, too. It is the reality that the traditional college experience with campus classes and football games and parties and campus life will become super spreader events on a localized basis that will result in the virus more prevalently moving through the community. That's part of the moral and ethical obligation that these 
commissioners and athletic directors need to have, and let's hope that they realize it before it's too late. All right, still to come in hour two, Jamal Adams speaks. Could Alex Smith end up being the starter in Washington? And we'll have a draft of the teams that could benefit from all of this uncertainty inherent to the 2020 season. We'll have more Pro Football Talk live for you right after this. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 